All right, Vocal Fam, we have the most exciting, exciting day planned for you. I have my dear, dear, Sarah and I have our dear, dear friends and returning guests, both of them, Dr. Shannon Coates, Dr. Kari Reagan. Um, what an incredible, incredible lineup we have for you as we start our Now You're a Voice Teacher series. My gosh, Sarah, how did I ever talk us into doing a series? What was I thinking? But before we do it, I got to do this before we go. You're listening to the Vocal Fry Podcast, your weekly dash of voice science, pedagogy, and pop culture. Coming to you from Hawkins Labs in the Upside Down. All right. Vocal fam, listen, we all know that you're uh, recovering from your WandaVision hangover. And uh, we, we hope that everything is okay. We hope you're done crying or whatever it is that you needed to do last night. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, that basically that your emotions are... Uh, what do you do now? What, what do we do now? that want, Like, what happens next Friday? What am I supposed to do? It watch um, Assembled, the making of WandaVision, and then the following Friday start Bucky Falcon. That's what you're supposed to do. Mm. As Michael said in our text, that morphine drip of Marvel content is just going to keep coming now. So, uh, Thank goodness. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Well, Kari, Shannon, welcome back to Vocal Fry. Thank you. Thank you. This is um, super, super duper exciting. So I... Uh, can you both very quickly in like, you know, the, 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 the very quick footnotes version, like, like, you know, um, remind us who you are and, and just a little bit about both of yourselves, just so that the vocal fam remembers just who, just the, the quick version, you know, I think everybody knows actually who you two are, but just in case. Both Kari and I are shaking our heads. No. no. <laughs> really? oh, okay. Fine. And I'm going, you go first. Yeah. <laughs> I also will say too, just even before I say that, I listened to my podcast at like one and a half or 1.75. So that's the first time I've heard that intro at like true speed in oh maybe even ever. Um, <laughs> so like, oh, amazing. That's really slow, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not do 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 do. It's not that fast. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so yeah, this is Shannon Coates talking, and um, I i don't know, I'm a voice teacher who develops resources for voice teachers. That's uh, the main thing that I do at this point. Perfect. Wow. Kari? <laughs> that was so short, Shannon, because you could share a lot more. <laughs> um, well, I'm Kari Reagan. I live in Seattle, and I uh, teach voice pedagogy at the University of Washington and have a very large independent studio, and I work in affiliation with the a laryngology program to rehabilitate injured singers and also do teacher training courses and work with a lot of of teachers amazing and two awesome. details and two details we're going to get to shannon your online product is called what uh the, the online self-directed downloadable course is called the vocal instrument 101 yes thank you vocal instrument and if you'd like to hear more about that you can actually go back to season one yeah. at nats national 2018 july of 2018 here's shannon hear more about shannon <laughs> uh and kari your book is called what oh the systematic approach to voice the art of studio application 
Uh, and if you'd like to hear more about that, you can actually go to Plurals Publishing, our sponsor, um, their website, and see my interview with Kari from Nats National last summer. Or if you'd like to hear more about her, you can go back. If you'd like to hear more about evidence-based voice pedagogy, you can go back on Vocal Fry to about one year ago. Um, it was like right before the pandemic right before. hit or like right when, well, Seattle actually already had some stuff we shut down for our university shut down before anything else. I think partly because Bill Gates lives here as well. Right. <laughs> He's been predicting this for years. Right. So yeah, right. We, were, we were the first to shut down. And uh, so that's about a year ago, uh, Vocal Fam. And uh, so if you'd like to hear more about both of them, please revisit our former Vocal Fry episodes. But today, so a couple of months ago, maybe three months ago, I got a text from a student and a pretty, a pretty typical situation, I think, where um, they had had undergraduate pedagogy with me. Okay, fine. And they were a music ed major. Um, so thankfully, as a music ed major, they get at least one semester of vocal ped. That's good. But um, unfortunately, in that very first semester, we don't get to much practicum and actual practical yeah. teaching and let alone actually, you know, having them, you know, teach voice or, or what have you. Um, there's a lot of gaps in, in knowledge base and, and this kind of thing. And it got me thinking, well, anyway, they texted me and they said, I got a job teaching <laughs> voice lessons. <laughs> and I was like, okay, congr congratulations. <laughs> um, and they texted me back and they were like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> and I was like, ah, well, I said, the first thing I said was, have you gone back and listened to any of Vocal Fry? Yes. <laughs> because teacher training is sort of why we exist. Um, and he was like, oh, I should do that. I was like, you should do that. Like, um, anyway, but uh, then I started thinking and I started thinking about the fact that, you know, throughout the pandemic, so many people have started teaching voice lessons, whether, and in many walks of life, we've had recent college graduates like this person I was just referencing, who came out of sort of an undergraduate recently, or actually, I think this individual is actually student teaching this semester as well. They're not done yet. But, um, you know, recent college graduates, maybe recent master's graduates, we've had professional singers turn to teaching during the pandemic. We've had, uh, you know, a, a whole host of different things. We're going to see some people return to the academy and be teaching in the academy. We're going to see people opening private studios. And I just thought to myself, uh, which is dangerous, I shouldn't do that. <laughs> Um, I thought we should do like a series of episodes about some of these different situations. And then I thought to myself, okay, well, who are two of my friends who are absolutely two of the people who are dedicated to training voice teachers and helping voice teachers outside of the academy who already have sort of established business models and things and mentoring things and whatever that they already do. And the first two people that came to my mind were Shannon and Kari. Oh, that makes sense. So. Because <laughs> I love Shannon. Time with Shannon is always a bonus. And mutual. <laughs> Fantastic. And Nick and Sarah, of course. Thank yeah, you. you guys 
<laughs> well, you know, we're just here to serve whoever we can. That's that's happy to be included. Uh, well, we, Nick, I would love to touch. You know, you brought up something I'd love to flesh out a little bit with this please. group. You, um, you know, because you you we all kind of perhaps make a face. You like you kind of hear that this twenty two year old that's just graduated and they want they've been asked to teach voice and and there's this little part of me that my tummy hurts for a second and I feel like a gatekeeper. And then I think, well, who am I? Just, I started teaching at 19 for heaven's sakes. Mm -hmm. My college teacher hooked yep. me up with a high school at 19 years old. I've been teaching, I don't know, I'm old now. So 38, 39 years, whatever it is, literally in my, sorry. <laughs> 20 years, Kari. See, that's my, <laughs> my friend. Um, no, 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 we wanna own our age. I'm 57 I'm with years you. old. I'm with you. But my point being that, uh, you know, I, I am so grateful for that teacher that saw something in me because I was never going to be a teacher, right? Mm. I didn't join Nats until later. I was going to be a singer with a capital S. I talk about this in the preface of my book. I mean, I'm Indiana University trained, right? There's no, I wouldn't even come back here and dream of singing with a local, like a smaller regional symphony because no oh. Right? I mean, I wrong programming. I really regret that programming that I received. Uh, so I didn't join Nats till later because of that programming in my, my self-narrative. And yet I've been making a living since I was 19 mm. as mm -hmm. a teacher. So we, you know, so I would love to flesh out with you guys. Sorry, Nat, and Nick, this is your show. It's not Please. No, but, but no, you know what? Well, well, before you finish the idea, just to fleshing out that idea, Kari, actually, I remember on Vocal Fry you saying that you had started teaching young when we had you on the first time. And, um, you know, I started teaching voice in college as well. Um, not at 19, but I, I was probably 21. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, you know, so, I mean, but I remember, like, having no clue what I was doing at 21 also, but and anyway, so finish your fleshing no, that's out. It. So, you know, why, it, and I would say that this future generation, at least uh, in my class at, at UW, these kids are smart. They don't come in with rose colored mm -hmm. glasses. They come mm -hmm. in knowing that it's a tough business, that the chances are slim, which is not how I came in dreaming. Yes. And they're realistic about it. And a lot of them know they want to teach, right? Which is, mm -hmm. like, wow, okay. And they're just, they are voracious in their desire to learn about anatomy, physiology, acoustics, cognition, the 5,000 other things that we now all have to be knowledgeable about, which is a whole conversation in and of itself. So anyway, I just think, you know, what, as our profession moves forward, and I do feel like a bit of a gatekeeper. I'm tired of people hanging shingles and taking money to keep lies. Like I've had it up to here at my age with yeah. it, right? And so I do feel so protective because I've spent my career trying to challenge misinformation and, and as I gathered it for myself. So I guess I would ask you, my esteemed panelists here, what, what do we think about a 22-year-old, a 20-year-old, deciding to teach? What guidance might we give them? What parameters what might we encourage them to consider? What do you, what do you think about that, Shannon? I think um, that we are, especially at this age and stage, I think we're always kind of walking that, um, we're walking that 
that tightrope, right? Where we're saying, well, you have to start somewhere. We all started somewhere. So <laughs> why am I, I'm not going to tell you to not teach. But then out of that desire to make sure that there is good teaching going on, that's why I'm developing the resources I'm developing and doing the mentoring and, and teaching undergraduate voice pedagogy, same. And, and that's why you're doing it, right, Kari? Like yes. that's, the, that's the reason that these resources that we're doing this work is because we want to, um, I want to make sure that there's as, as good teaching going on as possible, even if it's starting at like 18 or 19 or however young, right? There are the, a lot of the teachers that I, that I work with um, are starting to have teachers coming up that they're training themselves now. So they're independent teachers. They have large studios. They've been teaching for 10 or 15 years. And so now they've got an 18 year old who is, uh, you know, who wants to make some money and there's, there's, they're, they're, they're studio is packed so they're saying you know what i can mentor this i can mentor this 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 young teacher and make sure that they get a great start in uh in teaching and i can help them to like i can set up students for them and it's going to be great for my studio as well and my own teaching you know how much you learn when you when you teach someone the thing right Mm. so how i mean it's it's a win-win if you if you can um, if you can start early, especially under some kind of mentorship, you know, that is that is a huge win, I think. And they're way more knowledgeable. These, tw- I, you know, the teacher training course that I just did this fall, you know, I had a, uh, somebody with a DMA from with Steve Austin in Texas and somebody who had had a professional career and sung at Scala who lives in England. And right. These are and, and then uh, several in the tw- in their 20s or early 30s that have taken all the different methods out there and they were wanting to put it together in application they are so smart they just Mm. need they need guidance in the application but they know so much more than i did in my 20s they're i mean they're such (laughs) superior teachers because i just taught the way i was taught because that's what we did in the dark ages so this next generation is on fire and i can't wait to see where it leads us sarah what what is it what is it always sarah what is it always that i say to you all like as soon as you actually start teaching in school in practicum i'm always like well, what do singing teachers do? Well, my teacher did a lip trill. Yeah, we better teacher. darn well do a five-note scale on a lip trill, or, or God, the world will end. Like, yeah. if we don't do a five-note scale on a lip trill, what will happen? <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, and as someone who... Yeah, I'd like your perspective here, Sarah. No, no, seriously, because, you know, you obviously came through schooling and recently in the last couple of years have now been teaching voice a lot of the time. Tell yes. me, tell tell us what that was like starting out. Because as someone who like a little bit different, I mean, I so I've only been teaching really two years now, right. so it's still definitely newbie. Like I'm sitting here, like, oh yes, I am here for the panel. Perfect, I am ready to get the knowledge. Um, but you know, I went through an undergrad degree. I got my master's in voice pedagogy. Checked off all the boxes. Learning, you know, anatomy, acoustics, all of these things that we say we need. And it even did practicum and, and, you know, taught a few things. But at the same time, I go to like, I start getting my first students and I go to email their parents and I'm like, uh, oh, who's, who let me do this? <laughs> who let me out of here? This is, oh no. <laughs> I went into like first lessons and I'm like, I've taught less, like I taught less before, but I was like, but this is different. It's my job now. <laughs> Someone's paying me. They're for your student at that yeah, point. Yeah, and 
there's definitely like all of a sudden you strip away all of the like schooling and academia and you're like oh my gosh this is real like what do i what do i do with these people what if i'm not doing what if i'm doing it wrong even with all of that knowledge so honestly happy to be here thank you like you know, i would text him i would be like help help what what do i do with so, this kid like i think because this speaks to the point that some that that we've been making along this uh, along these lines as well is that teaching is a skill right mm -hmm. and when we go through i mean i had however many teachers through my, you know, sure. as I was thinking, right? And they all made it look so easy, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody made it look so easy. And now. Because, yeah, exactly. Like, oh my gosh, yeah. I sit there and I'm like, pick. I made a wrong note in that scale, guys. Oops. Yeah. I, that's not the exercise I meant. My bad. Let's go. Let's try that again. Are you saying the right notes? I just played the wrong ones. You're you're doing well, great. And choosing repertoire, choosing exercises, making a pa lesson pacing. I mean, all of all of these things are skills. Communication, understanding how I'm learning, understanding the energy in the room. This is all. Okay. These are all skills. And of okay. course, some lesson yes. pacing was has lesson been pacing. huge. Well, I work with younger students, and it, it hit me yes. just because I'm hearing 15 things. They're like. 13 or 14 so like maybe just work one or two things like anyway. not only that but you know shannon that list of things you just sort of rattled off how many of those do we actually even you know because all three of us have taught pedagogy as well how many of those things do we actually get to yes okay we get to phonation we get to respiration mm -hmm. we get to resonation we get to articulation we probably deal with some vocal health you know, whatever, but like how many of those things, it, particularly if they only get one semester. Yes. I can't imagine trying to do this if I was going off of one semester. It was kind of horrifying yeah. in a way to me when the three of us were in Los Angeles at the number of graduate programs that I was seeing that their total number of pedagogy courses in their graduate program was one. I, I was like, um, yeah. how many did you have, Sarah? Five, six? A lot. I, one of the things, like, you listed song rep. I am so grateful because, you know, we had two semesters of song rep in the master's program. And, like, no, we didn't. I was, yeah, wasn't it two? It got split into two, or maybe that was before. Yeah, because we had, like, rep for teachers one semester. Am I crazy? It's okay. Maybe I'm crazy. It's Whatever. Okay. I appreciate that class a lot. I could have sworn it Doesn't was two semesters. Maybe it just felt like it. I was gonna say maybe it just felt like it lasted two semesters, for good so reasons though. It, it was a big the teachers that teach with no ped class. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I. Well, and I can't imagine how daunting because I do think a lot of people go who maybe don't have ped knowledge and they start looking for it, but like, there's a lot of stuff out there. And if you don't know, have a way to sort through what's really reputable and uh, true, like, how would you know? How would you know, just looking at everything, what's actually a valuable resource and what's just trying to take your money? Well, and, and I think that hits on two things that we've really been, been, you know, already has kind of been a through line in, in our narrative here. One, that is, you know, having good information to begin with, mm -hmm. you know, that we'd all like to see all these people who have entered the teaching profession have good information, foundational concepts, 
clean, or maybe I would even toss out the term, have a pedagogy that was evidence-based. Um, I might, might just throw <laughs> just out, possibly. Car, you know, just, just as a, as a model. Um, or even systematic. Oh, but don't, I was just, thank you. I, oh gosh. I love you so much. But and don't forget though, Nick, I have to jump in here about, Please. I'm still seeing people say evidence-based and equate it to science-informed. Evidence-based voice right. pedagogy, EBVP, has three components. And I just can't stress that enough as, as I continue to hope that that becomes adapted in our, our profession, that it's the three components of the voice research, the teacher uh, expertise and experience, and the student goals and perspective. Uh -huh. And so a course on all three of those components would be a brilliant voice pedagogy application. Right. Which is what I think Shannon and I do in our in our courses. And and I, I get yes. to teach that at, at UAW as well. Mm -hmm. You know, it, 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 and, and actually that ties into the other sort of, I think, um, there's a word that I'm looking for. It has to do with thread, but I can't put it together. Anyway, but the other thread of, of information here, I think, is the idea of mentorship. The idea of having, you know, I think one of the just sort of constant themes that I'm hoping comes out of this series in general is one of the best pieces of advice that anybody ever gave me was... As singers, we think about having teaching mentors, like 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 a singing mentor, right? right? Okay. Mm -hmm. But somebody said to me, well, you need a teaching mentor too. Mm. And I was like, wasn't well, that just a singing teacher? No, 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 no. <laughs> um, in fact, and I'm going to, listen, I'm not putting anybody's name on this but Perna. Um, I actually think it's healthier a lot of the time for a teacher if your singing teacher is not your teaching mentor right. and i'm saying that because i think a lot of the time if you're it, i'm not saying it couldn't work i think it totally yeah. could work but i think a lot of the time if your singing teacher is also your teaching mentor you could get into a lot of confirmation bias and just we all do the same thing and we all have the same exercises because these are the exercises that work and we all do the same repertoire because this is the repertoire that works. If and, I may, I yeah, think please. that depends on the teacher though. Of course right? it does. So of course it got, does. Of you, course. Right? So if you have a, a pedagogy minded teacher, if you're working with Kari on your own voice and also on your teaching, you're going to be just fine. I think so too. Yes. <laughs> right? You're going to be just fine. So yeah, I, I agree that that can be problematic if you have a teacher who is um, really not pedagogy minded, right? So, and, and that's fine to not be pedagogy minded. Sure. Um, it, in the sense of, in the sense of, Kari saying what, but in the sense <laughs> of not needing to explain what you're doing, not needing to say like, okay, so I'm doing this, let's talk about how we're doing this and why. So there, it's fine to be the teacher who's like, here's the next thing we do and here's the next thing we do and here's how we do it. And that's absolutely fine. And to teach to that voice specifically, obviously that's totally fine. But if you're going to them for mentorship, you do want someone who is going to be able to have that broader understanding of pedagogy and that broader understanding of what the reason I'm doing this is for you, but I may be doing this for, you know, something else for someone else. And what would you think? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. 
Now, to contradict my own statement, um, <laughs> I, 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 I actually have found here during the pandemic, um, I've had a, a, a wonderful um, sort of explosion of my own private studio online. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite populations uh, that I am getting to teach voice to are mm-hmm. other voice teachers. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> Uh, and sometimes in those lessons, we also do, you know, talk about pedagogic ideas, um, sometimes more than others, sometimes less mm-hmm. than others, um, depending on exactly what the client, you know, wishes their focus to be, of course. And so I'm not saying that it can never work. I just, I think it's great when in our teaching mentorship, um, we can seek out I guess a diverse array of opinions, a, a diverse yes. background of teaching strategies, uh, you know, to become as, you know, sort of multiplistic as, you know, we can be um, in a, you know, in a healthy way, I guess, is what I was suggesting. You know, it's funny, Nick, both you and Shannon, the way we all talk about you know, in a lesson, we might, you know, if we have a, a teacher that we're teaching and we, where is that fine line between venturing down a pedagogical conversation? I have become, because of motor learning theory, so paranoid about that. You know, it's yeah. like, we're not supposed to, my favorite article is singing teachers talk too much. I give it to my class. <laughs> and, and yet, you know, sometimes I feel guilty. And then I think, you know what, you know how to read people. I have you know, I have a particular clientele of very advanced singers or injured singers and how I teach my advanced classical singers or my advanced musical theater singers who are also have a studio full of people and they want to take their lesson time sometimes and talk about a student they're struggling with or they want me to dive in a little deeper onto open and closed quotient of the vocal folds or whatever. Right. I, you know, I just I don't know. I, I, I want to give 100 percent a little bit of permission because I carry guilt every time I just spent five minutes and I'm thinking, where is that coming from? Um, but I think it's because all of the motor learning theory that's entered our profession, which has been fantastic the last 10 years, but those are theories that are broadly based. Mm. But in you know, a given lesson, you might make different choices. You know, but yeah. you just hit on a thing that a young teacher, or maybe not even young, a new teacher, yeah, might not even think to be aware of, which which as experienced teachers, it's just kind of like, oh, well, yeah, of course we would do that. Um, which is really finding out what the student desires from the experience of voice lessons. Goals and perspectives, part of EVVP. You know, which is, you know, like, do, do, do they, what are they looking for? Because, yeah, I, I, you're right. Like you, Kari, I, I have three kind of diverse populations in my, stu- in my private studio. I have sort of young artist level opera singers. Mm-hmm. I have the same sort of era musical theater singers. And then I have voice teachers. Like, that's, that's the, that's, I think, maybe all but one of my private. No, I think it's actually everybody. I think those three categories cover everyone. Um, and you know, it, it, it really is sometimes a matter of finding out what does this client or student or whatever we want to call them, what do they actually want from this experience? I mean, Sarah, we talked about that in practicum all the time. Oh yeah. Well, just they're not going to keep, especially I feel like if you're not teaching necessarily in academia or if you're, if you're teaching in a private studio, like 
these people are coming to you for their own enjoyment and hobbies like you that you need to make sure that you're that you understand what their goals are what they're wanting to learn and that may what they're wanting to sing and you can't always force them to sing what you're like oh but you would because i have students where i'm like but you would sing this so well and but they don't wanna and so you know i don't push it a ton you know going back to the i want to revisit an idea this idea of um sort of you teach your first voice lesson and it's like oh my gosh uh what do i do now well here's what we did with my teacher mm. You know, one of the biggest things that has changed in my teacher mentorship and particularly in my pedagogy courses, but just in any time I'm, 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 I'm talking about voice teaching, one of my, I think my, at least one of my two or three biggest paradigm shifts throughout my career has been that when I started teaching voice pedagogy, I was just trying to teach people to recreate me. Yes. <laughs> and I say that very honestly, this like, be issue. because, yeah. you know, when I, because that's how pedagogy had been taught to me. I know, I know. And, and, you know, I was taught pedagogy by an opera singer. It was a very informative class. Like we got all kinds of science-based information and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not saying that the information was bad, yeah. but, but it was in a, it was in a school that was very, you know, still Western classical primarily based at the time. I have no idea what it's like now. I wouldn't claim to know. Um, I don't work there. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, we were all op training to be opera singers. We weren't even yeah. trained to be classical singers. We were trained to, you remember, Kari? I mean, it's like being in Indiana, you know? You were trained to be an opera singer predominantly. Mm -hmm. um, and when I started teaching pedagogy, I certainly, I for sure, the first number of years I taught ped was just trying to teach people how to recreate the singer that I was. Mm -hmm. Sarah, is that what you got during your masters? No. <laughs> Not even a little. <laughs> right. So go ahead, like, well, here's one thing. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Um, when I went back to school to do my master's, um, I had been teaching already for about a decade at that point. So I, I had a long period of time where I didn't sing at all. So I did an undergraduate in, in vocal performance. And then I had a period of time where I didn't sing at all. And then when my children were, when my daughter was born, I went back to, I went to teaching because I was like, I don't want to go back to that profession <laughs> that nine to five so I went to teaching realized that I didn't know what I was doing although I was a good teacher I just didn't realize I didn't know what I was doing <laughs> so mm. um the I didn't know what to teach was the problem right good teacher <laughs> if I know what to teach I can teach it <laughs> but I didn't know what to teach right so that that brought me back into the academia then right so performance and all that stuff but um the degree that I did was completely different because of the fact that I'd already been teaching independently. I'd already had an independent studio, successful independent studio for 10 years. So, or about that. So my, uh, my experience uh, helped to start to shift some of the teaching that was actually going on in the program at the time, because I was saying, hey, this is great information. Um, I'm here to tell you that this does not apply to seven-year-olds. I'm here <laughs> to tell you that this does not apply to music theater. You mean they don't need you, to know the most perfect Italian apply. legato at seven? <laughs> I mean, just right? so. This doesn't, right? No, this doesn't apply. And, and you know, my, my, my pedagogy uh, mentor is 
phenomenal. Lorna McDonald, shout out all the time. Um, so she's phenomenal. And in, and it wasn't uh, an issue for her. She was, she was, she's phenomenal. And so she, but there has been a, and she has always, you know, done a, done a, a section on, you know, teaching male voice, for example, and she's, and teaching aging voice and teaching children. Uh, but with someone like me coming in there who literally had already been doing the thing and needed more to understand and to be able to say, this is good, <laughs> what we're doing is good, <laughs> but really it's not as good as it could be. Let's get even more of that in. So that has actually helped to change the program. The program is, um, uh, the graduate program there is, is uh, much different now. And in fact, she brings in for practicum, she'll bring in um, contemporary singers, she'll bring in child singers. You work with child singers in, in your graduate uh, uh program at the University of Toronto. Awesome. Um, you work with aging singers, you work with choral singers, you work with all of the people, and you do not work with 18 to 24 year old classical singers. <laughs> you, you work with all of the people that you would encounter in, you know, and she does a whole, you know, anyway, so that that has been uh, a little bit of a thing for me as I've, as I've taught undergraduate voice pedagogy. And as I've gone through my teaching now as well is to just you know, start to say to, especially to our undergraduate um, voice ped classes, you know, just be really, be really intentional, especially if you are an academic teacher yourself and you have only ever worked in academia or have only ever taught these specific singers. Those teachers that you're working with right now are not going to know, they're not going to know what hit them when they get to, when they go teach in, in real life, <laughs> because they're not going to be teaching 18 to 24 year old classical singers, right? Like they're just I, not. You know, knowing your niche, I think it is so important. Oh. I'm lucky. I mean, I I have over probably 80 on my roster. I mean, I, I literally, and then I- have, I can't even fathom you that are so and then so, I have a big list of people that, you know, I have to, that I try and fit in. And, and so I am, I feel, I don't say that as a brag. I'm sorry. It sounds. No, like, it gives me no. jitters thinking about it. It makes me <laughs> my, like nauseous. My point in, in this is that I think it's one of the things that enabled me to write the book is that I have, I work with, I started my teaching career um, with mostly the teenagers right? The sure. 12 to 18 and the avocational. Yeah. And then in the last 15 years, it's turned to college, both undergrad and grad professionals. And then of course the injured singers, which teaches you so much. Oh. The pacing is so slow. And some of them are professional opera singers that are come injured and sure. others, a lot of them are CCMers that have never yeah. taken a voice lesson in their life. Right. Uh. So I have to wear a hundred different hats. I've really had to, uh, to, hone my craft in that yeah. way. And it's one of my favorite parts of what I get to do is every person that is in front of me, it's like, okay, I kind of do a running, where are they? Who are they? You know, all of that. It's one of my favorite parts of, of this, but it's, I think also what enabled me to write the, the, the systematic yes. approach. And I have to say, and, and, and sorry, it's just going to sound like a shameless plug for my book. <laughs> it's a plural publishing publication and plural yeah, so are and, you and, and plural has agreed to again, sponsor vocal fry next season. Mm -hmm. So, um, so we're all in favor plural, of plural publishing publication, for plural publishing, which is an awesome, uh, a pu publishing company, but I have been so overwhelmed with um, the response to that. I didn't mm -hmm. expect the U's out there, the Shannons and the Nicks mm. to 
who who are such experienced teachers to buy the book, to be honest with you, or to find value in it. It was really written for me at 22 Mm -hmm. when I started Mm -hmm. out. Mm And it, it was the, it was really written for the 22 year old that had taken ped class with McCoy's book. It was part two of Scott's book. And he knows that, that I, I really was like, okay, this is, I love his book. It's what I use. And I wanted part two of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how, mm-hmm. if I were a young person and that's why I did the chapters in those three divisions yes. where a brief overview where they'd read that little bit of science and go, oh, I remember learning about that in my ped class. And then here's how you take that into application. So I wrote it hoping that young teachers would have a little bit of a roadmap for themselves. That was the intent. Mm. And if you hadn't done that plug, I would have done it. Let me just say, <laughs> it was so good. It's, it's, <laughs> it's go really ahead. good. And I think that's part of the reason that I love it so much is that I, I know that it's coming from that perspective. I can read in there that you know what you're talking about and that you know what you're, you know who, who, who's gonna use this book, right? Like independent teachers are not gonna use Scott McCoy's book in the studio. It's, it's, it's there are no exercises A lot of great there. information. Yeah, yeah a lot so of much good information, but like it's, a, it's an intellectual book, right? Like it's for your yeah. brain to get the information in, which is fantastic, but <laughs> no, I and listen. It listen. It's it's why I adopted Kari's book this year because oh. I knew that my undergrads what they really needed yeah. was the exercises, the explanation yeah. and justification yeah. for the exercises. Mm. Look, this was not a podcast about Kari's book, but I have no problem talking <laughs> about it either. Um um but but seriously, um it, it, it's funny Going back to the conversation with the the sort of where we started out with this student, um, their question was, are there resources out there that I can go to? And I, I said yes, and, and immediately pointed them to Kari's book. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, look, we all remember being a first-time teacher. It wasn't one of the things that was just confusing. What in the world exercise do I do? Yes, that's mm-hmm. the first thing they ask in our yeah. courses, right, Shannon? Yep, every, yeah. yep, absolutely. You know, and, and of course, well, the correct answer, of course, I just want to say is a five-note scale <laughs> on a lip trill. <laughs> just just so we're clear, just so everybody's clear. Um, in my world, it's tongue trill, so. Okay, well, I actually don't. I actually don't use lip drills at all in my teaching. I just am using that as an example of what, sorry, of, of the, what everybody does. Cause my teacher did that with me. Um, and, and you know, sorry, go ahead. Nick. Well, I was just going to say, and I end the joke with, with, with the grads and Sarah can confirm this, that of course I get on them. If they ever start a lesson on a lip drill, I say, uh, how in the world do you know what that student sounds like? You oh, yeah. just, that's a great exercise. Well, you'll be you like, have... that's kind of complicated, right? It's a little complicated. Start with, why you start there? You have no idea what they sound like. I'm like, you need something else diagnostic first just to know how this person sings. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, one of the things, sorry, not to get us off this topic, but one of the things that I didn't realize until I had been teaching for years was that when I first meet with a student, I would just start vocalizing them, even if I was doing things where I could hear them and I was like diagnosing, you know, as we do, like good old Jim McKinney model diagnosis. And 
I wouldn't have them sing a song in that first session. I always make sure I have them sing. I don't care if it's Amazing Grace. I want to hear them how they sing a phrase. I want to hear how they sound, particularly if they if they're singing in in different styles. Yeah. I, like like Especially I see the CCMers because you you vocalize them and you're like okay you know whatever yeah. and then you hear them sing this song and I'm like oh my gosh now that is a cool sound. Like, yes, and I like I feel like it tells you a lot about the singer just what song they pick. Because I've kind of like that aspect, like, yes. not like, okay, so you listen to this artist. This is someone you see yourself singing. Like, I, I really like, I feel like it tells me a lot about them quickly. Little mm. insight. Absolutely. You know, what I really want, though, I just want to make this point while it's in my brain, because they are fleeting, these thoughts. You know, in my age, they just come. Believe me, I, 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 I interrupt people all the time because I'm like, it's, I'm not trying to be rude. It's like, I'm so afraid I'm going to lose that thought. <laughs> So, um, you, when your person asked you or contacted you, Nick, you know what I, and I'm so grateful. That's so kind of you to re refer them to the book. But my thought is I want people to read the book, to feel empowered about why they might choose an exercise yeah. and then use that as a guide in the moment to design, to use their own creativity, their mm -hmm. own experience, because there are no magic exercises. Mm -hmm. Period. Exactly. Yeah, but except for a five-note scale and a lip <laughs> I'm so sorry. I, I, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I keep forgetting that point. You I'm know, sorry. so that's what. Or we if want. you just if you just randomly sing through a straw, if you just randomly sing through a straw, you'll be perfect. It'll be it'll be. That solves everything. It, it, the be all and end all. Well, listen. I mean, it, at least none of us are saying, you know, right now, maybe twenty five years ago or twenty years ago, that that if you just support more, it'll 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 all be it'll all be fine. Yeah. So <laughs> Wait, that isn't a thing. <laughs> Oh, listen like, if they're listening to this show <laughs> and they think that that's the case i'm really local oh. fam i love you you know i do but i'm just going to point you back to the episode that i called what did i call it sarah the breathing episode oh my gosh i was honestly still scared to say like well what about breath right. <laughs> I'll um, tell you one of the Facebook lives that I, the Facebook live that I have done that has the most shares and the most blah, blah, blah is like alternative ways to saying support and what oh, you really mean when you think that someone uh, needs more support. I missed that. <laughs> well, I remember. What do you really mean? <laughs> Shannon, wasn't that like part of your, didn't that have something to do with your dissertation or something? I think I remember seeing you present sometime on like a bunch mm -hmm. of terms for breath management or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah my dissertation was actually <laughs> terminology use between, uh, breathing terminology. I remember. With uh, voice professionals. So I did a survey of, of laryngologists, SLPs, and teachers and uh, to see what terminology we're using and what we mean when we use it. And yeah, support that was is not my favorite. Was that in Australia? I did, but did I present on that in Australia? No, I don't I'm, remember. Maybe, I, don't remember. I just know that that's when we met. I don't remember if you did or not. <laughs> there were, there were, that was a long time ago. Let's, was, let's not talk about it. Let's not talk about how. Yeah, right. Um. Anyway, um, I have I have a rather large birthday coming up later this month, so I'm trying to avoid Aww. it, like the plague. So. Are you turning thirty? 
Yes, I hey, am. Mark. I am turning finally turning thirty. It will be great. Um, looking forward to my thirties. Uh huh. You'll enjoy them. They're lovely. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That's exactly. If I can remember. Uh huh. Right. Anyway, um, you know, um, we talked about it earlier, but one of the other things that is really true, also about a young teacher, is sometimes you don't realize. I don't want to use the word young. New. Mm-hmm. The importance of the repertoire that you do suggest for a student. And I guess I mean this kind of in a, and I'm interested to hear what you all have to add to this, but I guess I kind of mean this in a multifaceted way because like, I think sometimes you have to really be considerate of like, if it's a piece of musical theater, the story that is actually being told and this person's life experience, like, they may not be ready to sing or they might not want to sing that thing or or it might be something that really helps bring them out of their, you know, who knows? Mm-hmm. I think that, um, but I, I think that too often... Because first of all, just so I can say it, vocal fan, the answer is always Karamiya Ben. You should always just assign <laughs> oh your... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Sorry, sir. Or say it through mommy. Uh, no. His other favorite oh, one is a little oh, green oh. dog song. <laughs> I love the green dog. It's I know so you cute. love the green dog. It's so cute. He had us watch like all this compilation of a lot of his like freshman students from over the past years from studio classes. And then if I heard the little the little green dog song or Carl Mioben one more time, I was like, I think every student that he, you've ever taught has sung one of these. We were what? all we were all inexperienced teachers once. I mean, they were good songs, but but it was just a, the first time you hear the little green dog, you're like, ah, this is funny, <laughs> and then the like seventh time, you're like, ah. <laughs> but I guess my point was sometimes we as teachers don't think that like these repertoire choices like gosh this piece of repertoire could live with them like for like sarah what did your high school voice teacher give you for your college audition vc darte (laughs) oh bless you (laughs) yeah you did no clue and you know the funny thing is the other song we were working at the time was say to mommy but she was like no no for college auditions this this is what we worked she was like it's perfect for you and then like and you know and it's like i almost must have mentally blocked it out into like my Sarah's a year just so yeah it was not the right thing on so many levels it was not the right song like well five i can only imagine what these college auditions thought of me like a little five foot tall 18 year old self looked like i was 12 walking in like i recently recently had a gal with bilateral mid-membrane is swelling 15 been studying for a few years uh and had in her repertoire mon coeur well you want to know what makes it worse i don't think i I don't know if i even told you this she had me print out she had me like start i hadn't learned any of these songs if you like i had touched them so if you asked me to sing it, I wouldn't have been able to. She had me print out a list of my song repertoire. She's like, this is what you do for a college audition. She was a lovely woman, by the way. I love her. I love her so much. Sure, she's But great. it was a song list. And looking back, Je veux vivre was on there. Um, oh, gosh. It was something. It was a Mozart one that, like, I look back. 
you know what? I think it was the La Dame Mouste that I, I later actually sang, sort of. But like, like in my Vespers, Vesp- Vespers La Dame Mouste or, or, or Mozart. I don't even C minor mass. I don't even remember now. Like that's the C- thing. C minor mass. So that was on there. Like it was this list of like looking songs from all different songs, but all way nothing I should have been touching. And I am sure that those people were like, oh, this poor child. She she doesn't know. And I didn't know. I didn't. You don't know what you don't know. <laughs> anyway, good times. And I, I, I try to do a, I do a class every year in during the practicum part of the teaching uh, of the undergrad uh, voice ped course that I teach. Very fortunate to be able to do a practicum, actually. But um, the and, and the class is um, choosing repertoire for pedagogical intent. <laughs> and in their, in their practicum, they are only allowed to choose repertoire from the Royal Conservatory of Music's levels four sure. till seven. How very Canadian of you. <laughs> I know it's very Canadian, but if someone has gone to the trouble to create a syllabus where the repertoire over 125 years now has been graded at yeah. various levels according to you know experience and understanding, then that's a resource that you should take advantage of. If I, I the wheel. If I may, why? unlike right. some states' solo and ensemble lists, which yes. is not where you what you should use to choose your repertoire. Having been having taught in Texas for two years, I'm just saying, vocal fam, <laughs> that UIL list is not what I would use to pick repertoire mm-hmm. for your younger mm-hmm. singers. Yeah. Um uh well, on a yeah. On another anyway. issue um that I just because it means a lot to me, and since this is the first episode in this series, um I and and I, I I'm not I, I didn't really go fully into it on the podcast before, but I kind of went into it. But that is the issue of ethics. And I just want to just briefly say, remember, vocal fam, that if you are a new teacher and you are teaching, that the person across from you is a human being. And um they are they, whether with there's Aria. Well-timed, Aria. Um, feelings. She Indeed. Um, just that the person across the, the room from you, or well, across the Zoom screen maybe right now, or across the whatever online platform you're teaching, um, is a person, and they have a soul, if you believe in that. Um, and I don't think that as a young teacher, I was aware that things that I would say would stick with students sometimes for multiple decades. This hadn't even crossed my mind because I might've just said, well, let's try jumping on one leg and rubbing your belly while you sing. I'm just making that up. I've never had any, I don't think I've ever had anyone do that. Uh, It's possible I had someone do that once. Um, But, or just one random, well, you must take Mm -hmm. a breath through your nose, Mm -hmm. you know, or or, or, or what have you. And sometimes those things, again, it's their Mm -hmm. experience. They're experiencing a different Mm -hmm. experience than you're experiencing as the teacher. Be aware that, gosh, sometimes that you're, I guess my point is vocal fam. If you are, your words matter. 
the mm. words that you're using, the intention that you're saying them with, the tone that you're saying them with, and then of course how you're actually treating the individual across the room actually matters. Yeah, this is something that um, I've broken down into some like pretty specific segments that I, when I work with voice teachers, something of what I do as well. When we're, we're talking about specific language use and how you're specifically using, specifically how you're using directives, what you're saying, what your face looks like, what's your resting, what is your listening face like? Your listening face might be like, <laughs> like if your thinking face is and, and no one on the podcast can they, see well, you make, well, no. make a horrible face but very pleasant right yes my wife if gets on me for having rough uh yes. not, not rbf r-a-h-f <laughs> and i'll oh. leave the uh <laughs> yes so if that's the face that you're making i mean having the that that's not necessarily something I mean it's something we can allude to in a voice ped class of course and I do talk about <laughs> communication and I talk about language use of course but that's something that that we need to sort of work out within ourselves and it also takes a really deep level of understanding of who we are as well yeah. to be able to work that out right and to and to understand how our own insecurities and our own thoughts about what good sound but, and bad sound is and our, our our own understanding of that kind of and just fyi i, I had good sound and bad sound in quotation marks because yeah, oh. there were there were air quotes there were, there were air quotes there i'm not saying good and bad i'm saying like how our own the the things that we have been taught about sound and the things that we have taken on especially if we've had a, a classical degree or two under our belts the things that we have taken on um, right. about sound right so it takes it takes a certain level of maturity and wanting to understand these things about yourself in order to to you know delve into those things and to be able to then make the changes that are going to result in you hopefully doing as little harm as possible because that is what we're trying to do do no harm our, our directives like you said shannon are so mm. important are, and mm. and you know um you know I, I in my course last fall i challenged us to not use the word don't for an entire mm, week love oh. it and that was yep. really, and so I would be like, oh, ding on me, right? Yeah. I used to don't, you know, and, some, yes. and then I finally, like a few weeks after doing that, I was like, you know what? Sometimes you just got to say don't. <laughs> <laughs> Get over it. Everybody you know, says don't. I mean, Sondheim says, tried to tell us. Yeah. And then the part oh. about, um, you know, I, I remember years ago watching Kirti Vertolini give a master class and uh, you know, and again, I don't buy into all of the motor learning because mm -hmm. I think a lot of it comes from sports science and da 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 da. It's a whole. I, Lynn Helding was a guest in my class this week, um, and so we've had these conversations many times. And Lynn but, will be on Vocal Fry on April the twenty fifth. Oh, we love that. You're in for a treat for sure. But that that idea of watching Kitty do this for thirty minutes, she gave no visual or audible feedback, and at mm -hmm. the end of it, I was tied up in knots because I thought right, right. that person, I'm not sure that they really did learn anything. And I understand the points that were being made, mm -hmm. but it definitely makes me realize as a teacher, you know, that I have to be careful of my response because I might be, mm. be suppressing their mm -hmm. own ability to sense what's going on. Yes. I might be depressing mm -hmm. learning when yeah. I'm trying to actually encourage learning, mm -hmm. so, um, you know, I, that's an important part of what we do. Yeah, and on the other side of that one, 
new teachers, especially uh, 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 folks who have this kind of, who have an exuberant personality, for example, um, we tend to over encourage, right? So on the other side of that one, we tend to be like, that was amazing. Oh, that was awesome. Okay, that was super fantastic. And like you as the student know that this can't possibly be true. <laughs> that that was all amazing, fantastic, and amazing awesomeness. So yeah, like all of those, those understanding how we communicate, what we're communicating, understanding all of that takes this and it can be learned, just like we were talking about Absolutely. lesson piecing. Just like we were talking about all, I mean, these are all skills that they can be learned. And Is obviously it, some people, oh, sorry, Kari, yeah. <laughs> some people are, have a little bit more of a natural, like I have a, about a thousand generations of teachers coming down the line. And, you know, my dad was a preacher. Like I've, I've listened to a lot of teaching in my day. Yeah. So like there's a little bit, I have a little bit more of that sort of foundational kind of understanding, intuitive, if you will, understanding of like what it means to be supportive as a teacher and understanding that kind of thing. But you know, some people have a little bit more of that in terms of coordination too, when you're singing, right? Like some people are a little more coordinated in moving through Passaggio or some people are a little more coordinated with tuning, whatever. Like there's there's always gonna be a little bit more coordination, a little bit, you know, a little bit more intuitive understanding of something and everyone can get better, right? We can, this is all skill-based. We can all learn how to, how to be better at it. That's the great part. I mean, that's what's so exciting to me because I think about mm. myself as a, a young teacher and, and you know, I, you, I started out because it was a way to pay the bills whilst I was in college, right? I mean, that's why I started teaching. And then yeah, somewhere literally. along the way, I realized it was my great passion in life. Yes. It was what I feel called to do, right? I feel, yeah. you know, all those Indiana University dreams where it's like, well, I'm not living those dreams that I worked my um, we're, we're, we're G rated. I worked really, hard <laughs> she worked really hard into fan. my thirties to achieve. And I did, I met some of the goals, but not mm. the big dream that we all have as young opera singers. And yet I feel such like, I can't even express to you the deep gratitude I feel mm. to be doing the work I do. I'm doing yeah. what I feel like I was meant to be doing at mm. every level. And I feel so deep gratitude and all of that training prepared me mm. for that. You know, it prepared me for this life I was leading. I thought I was preparing myself for something else. But that's what's so exciting about being a teacher in the 21st century, a voice teacher. Yeah. It is overwhelming how much information is out there mm. and how we, on a weekly basis, I try and be a better teacher, mm. right? And, and we have all this support and knowledge to be doing that. We don't have yeah. to teach like we did 30 years ago. I mean, our teachers probably taught that, you know, God bless them. Yeah. I, I studied with a phenomenal, Ellen Fall was my great teacher. Mm. Sure. She was a phenomenal teacher. Um, but I, I suspect that the style was the same because they didn't have mm. access like we do now. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I think that then speaks to the beauty of uh, of uh, of a new teacher one perhaps being able to become better at what we do faster than we oh. did you know that was one of sarah and my take-home points in our in our article that on our nista article last year on on learning and teaching voice acoustics was knowing voice acoustics will not make you a good voice teacher but it might make you a better voice teacher faster mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um 
Yeah, as a caveat, you know, I, I gave my spiel earlier of like, oh yeah, I went and taught and was like, oh, what's happening? I would like to say it wasn't all that. <laughs> I do like to, if anyone out there, you know, takes from me and happens to be listening, I do know what I'm doing. I promise. <laughs> it, it, she knows the, a lot, vocal uh, fam. After the initial shock, it would be funny how working with student, I would hear something. And it would click, you know, oh, okay, this is the thing we study here with acoustics. Here are some things I can ask them to do to make adjustments that's going to make this easier for them. And so you're right, like we talked about. I mean, it certainly doesn't make you just automatically a better teacher. Mm. But it does help you start putting some puzzle pieces together that otherwise mm -hmm. you might just be sitting there going, okay, I'm hearing something, but I don't know what to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and actually, that that's kind of a, a I want to get to letting both of you wonderful humans share your products and how people can get in touch with you for yeah. your. Yeah, but I want to I want I want to know the websites or anything that they, they need to know for that. Um, yeah. But but just kind of as a take home before that, one of the things I said to Sarah when she did start teaching and I say this to anybody who starts teaching is there there it's kind of like being a sailor you need to get your sea legs no matter mm -hmm. how good your pedagogic training was yeah. you still need to get your sea legs mm -hmm. um and meaning as norman spivey said last week on the podcast there's no better way to start doing something than actually to start doing it mm -hmm. um or something yeah, like that yeah. i mean it was it was something it was along like, those lines it was along those lines um and uh or was that two weeks ago gosh time i can't remember it was two but, weeks ago last week was all law division time after the ice storm my whole sense of time <laughs> is lost um uh but uh any, anyway just you know encouraging everybody with that um just get your sea legs under you uh mm -hmm. okay so um let, let Yes, one, please. One other thing. I just want to, I think it's important for young teachers too. I was saying to this, to a student this week, it would be overwhelming to start voice teaching nowadays in that you don't just teach like your teacher taught you, like we talked about mm. earlier in the podcast. Now you have to know anatomy, physiology, acoustics, cognition, vocal health, mm -hmm. genres, you know, if you're a classical, motor learning, motor learning. <laughs> within the genre of classical singing, right? Languages, styles, right? It goes on within the CCM, it's jazz, mm -hmm. R&B, I mean, mm -hmm. it goes, I just, and the, oh wait, let's not forget marketing, how to run a business, marketing your business. Uh -huh. It's overwhelming. Well, thank goodness there are people who have good <laughs> products out there to help with those things, um, like getting, you know, like you know, getting a master's degree with Dr. Perna at Mississippi College, <laughs> um, or listening to the Vocal Fry podcast. Uh, you know, it was funny because on that point, I was, I could tell. Um, just that in class this week, we're sort of finishing up one unit, ready to move on to another unit. But I was kind of like, oh, we're sort of we're uh, we're sort of getting um, information overload. And so I said to the, <laughs> I said to the class, I said, listen, what I'm trying to give you right now is breadcrumbs. I'm trying to give you breadcrumbs that are going to keep you curious and keep you following along mm -hmm. because I don't expect you to have a comprehensive knowledge of anything we've covered so far in this class yeah. um, because that's not how any of this works. Um, 
you know, that was one of the other things we said in Path of the Warrior, Sarah, was that, you know, it helps the third and fourth and fifth time you've yep. been through voice acoustics to actually yes. understand the first time through voice acoustics. Yeah. Right. Um, so anyway, okay, Shannon, where can they find your product? What's the website? Yeah. Uh, just Shannon-Coats.com. Okay. You, if you leave out the dash, you'll you'll uh, you'll end get up somewhere else. A wonderful American triathlete. Okay, oh. perfect. I was just hoping it wasn't so, something dirty or something. Yeah. Like that. Um, brilliant. Uh, and Kari. Uh, KariReagan.com. Perfect. So to the point. I love the dash. If you know the names, you're good to go. Uh, and and they'll be on the title of this of this episode. Well, they'll be in the show notes somewhere. Um, Vocal fam, you know I don't do very long show notes, but they'll be in the show notes of the episode. Uh, so probably have courses starting. I've got one starting April eighth. I think Shannon, you have one starting. Yeah, I've I've got a working with child voice coming up, and working with oh, yeah. diversity in the studio, and working with aging voice, like specific stuff as well. Some teacher Love training that. as well, like general. Fantastic. Yeah. And of course, if you'd like to know more about aging voice or lifespan voice, you could buy Karen Brunson's brilliant plural publication mm. book. The anyway, just trying to <laughs> get all that is a the. Book. Uh, it is a brilliant. Uh, and just since we're just since we're uh, starting plugging the series away. off and plugging away, remember, Vocal Fam, um, that uh, still lots of uh, great reasons to join Nats. And I will oh, yeah. say, in the last twelve months, there have there has never been a better time to have been a Nats member than in the last twelve months. And I will never forget. <laughs> Uh, yeah. getting the first text from Alan being like, so we're going to do a whole series of emergency Nats chats. And <laughs> Kari and Alan, God love them, were on the internet practically nonstop a year ago. Mm-hmm. That's true. Uh, and, um, you know, yeah. we'll have Alan and Carol on here at the end of this series, uh, but um, very Alan's thankful. leadership is just, and I have to say, you know, he, texted me what we or I don't know who initiated what we both have the same idea I think at the same time and I said listen we've got to get our profession online teaching right now mm. let's do this Nats chat and then from that those other ones all of a sudden we would get off that one and we'd be like well we really need to do that. <laughs> right? and I just yeah. remember I was so because I was just coming off I literally had five days off in two years I'm not kidding about that I remember you telling us about it so exhausted. And I, that was how I spent my spring break that, you know, I was just finally going to get to my spring break and that's, and I just remember though, I would be so exhausted and it would be nine o'clock my time. And I think I've got to respond to Alan. He would still be online and he's three hours later than me. Oh yeah. So he was midnight. And I thought, listen, yes, this man is still, this is the man I want in my bunker. If this <laughs> is still going, I'm, I'm with you, but you definitely know. had at least one 10 PM phone call oh, during, during the conference. Amazing. Uh, amazing. And he's continued. I have to say, you know, he's continued to be at the helm of so much. So yeah. So we're indebted to him, our organization. Absolutely. It's also the end of nomination season. Um, I th- or did we end? Did we end nominations? I forget. We were all, uh, we were still under the deadline for national officers. I don't remember if the nomination season officially ended yet or not. It was the deadline was coming up. Um, so there you go, Yvonne. I got two plugs in for that. Um, <laughs> Uh, also, Nats just announced the virtual summer, no, not virtual, the summer workshop for this summer. Um, so go check out those details there on, on the website now. So anyway, so if you're a voice teacher, you should join Nats. That's basically where we're starting and where we're going to end. Um, thank you. 
Shannon, Kari, um, for your expertise, your wisdom, uh, and uh, you know, go check out their products. If you need a, if you need mentors, Vocal Fam, these are these are two that are a very fine place to start uh, in terms of great information. That quarantine has really brought to the fore. I mean, I'm working with people from all over the world who never would have thought about it before, who never would have. You know, like it's fantastic. And you know what? One last little thing. I actually think that we're going back to the kind of, or that this is giving us the opportunity to work in the way that they did back in the day where you would go and live with someone and apprentice with them and learn how to teach, right? We're, I'm, I've got people in my in my virtual house all the time right now. And, I, and it's like mentorship apprenticeship, right? It's amazing. Yeah. Anyway. Love it. I know I will say too, <laughs> I mean, I've been pleasantly shocked uh at the growth of my private studio which i've never really put much dedication or time into uh and then i announced that i was going online and announced it on the podcast like once and you know it might have helped that i did something at a nats conference or something um and And you were doing tech you were you putting together a technology package last i I do i still i still offer it i still offer it um i still offer it uh so anyway you know just it's it's been a weird year this was the one year anniversary of me the last time i heard a, a voice in a room that was not my wife daughter or son um today was the one year anniversary and uh so i've been trying to process that all day so now i'm gonna go and i'm also on a weird new intermittent fasting plan but now i'm gonna go and eat wings and nachos that i've been preparing all day so total pub fair uh total pub fair evening here after i ran very long distance this morning and whatever it's gonna be a weird night Anyway, uh, so Vocal Fam, like I said, we hope you are all recovered from WandaVision. Um, Kari, Shannon, thank you. Sarah, breakfast? Oh, it was one of those little kin things, but a different one wasn't as good. Can I just one more time say, it's got to be kind, Sarah. It's not kint. It's not German. Oh. Have you said that? Isn't it? Yes, we've covered this. Are you sure it's not kint? It's kind bar. It's not kint. It's there. It's not kinder toten leader oh, or something. Hello world, and thank you all for. I'm so glad nobody's ever actually because I think I've said that at work, and nobody's ever been like Sarah. What are you even saying? What's happening? I I don't think I've ever said that out loud. So I never thought about it. But you're absolutely right. Well, I'm most people probably don't run around head. saying like, "Oh, what do you have for <laughs> breakfast?" It was just like little hard. It's not the ones I've usually had that I've been saying, "Oh, guys, this is good." These are like little hard ones. I was like, "This is different." This one. Like, I'm going to try it. It wasn't good. I didn't like it. Well, not. There you have it, Vocal Fam. It looks looks like Sarah has kind of left her pseudo-health breakfast kick for the spring. The creamer Uh, was a bad experience. I got burnt. (laughs) The almond creamer did her in. That was was it. Uh, So go... This this Friday, go watch uh, WandaVision Assembled, um, yeah. the making of WandaVision. Uh, two weeks, Bucky Falcon starts. At some point, Sarah and I, w- Sarah and I will probably do a one-time review of the entire six-episode run of of, of Falcon True. and Winter Soldier. I think it? that's our. Sorry. All the Marvel. Oh yeah, it's Sorry. all the Marvel current Marvel, Marvel shows on Disney Plus. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and anyway, so we hope you enjoyed, um, and, and I, I'm not even mentioning anything that happened, um, because nope. I don't want to spoil it for you, because yeah. literally the single worst way to experience the WandaVision finale would be from us telling you about it. That's so true. just um, yeah. go back and see how some of our predictions were right, 
but yeah. most of them Maybe were like stupid. <laughs> we Obviously, we nailed really one or two. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. it's it's we were it, we were off base. Okay, all right, that's it, vocal fam. Um, take care. <laughs>